0: Happy Friday, Packers fans. Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks for being here today. We are going to talk trades. Who doesn't love talking about trades? It's one of the most fun times of the year, even though we get all excited for trade deadline day and then like a couple small deals end up happening, but it's still fun to think about. I always talk about like if you're a professional wrestling fan, the best part sometimes about professional wrestling is isn't necessarily always the product in the ring. Sometimes it's just like fantasy booking matches and things like that. It's the same thing in the NBA. It's why the trade uh, simulator on ESPN is always so fun to work with and why we love doing fantasy drafts in Madden, why we love talking trades in the NFL and doing fantasy football drafts. It just, it's part of the fun, the conversation of like, what could they get in return? It's why the draft is so exciting. It's like those sort of things, For just the nerdiest of the nerds, it's so incredibly fun every time of year. So we're going to go through some trades in just a moment. Before we get there, Jair Alexander was added to the injury list as a limited participant with a back injury. It's the same back injury that he had before that's never what you want to see, specifically back injuries. They are always finicky. They're always really tough to deal with. And hopefully this doesn't limit Jair anymore this season, but getting added back on the injury list in any capacity is not what you want to see. Now he did, you know, practice in a limited capacity. So that is still a good sign. It seems like, hopefully, fingers crossed, he's still on track to play this week. But, uh, man, those back injuries, really, really tough. And you just hope that it's not going to be anything that keeps him out of games or changes the way he plays or anything like that moving forward because Green Bay really needs a high-end Jair Alexander for the rest of this year on a defense that he said himself has to kind of pick up for some of the things that the offense is lacking right now. So Green Bay can definitely not you know, have any sort of major Jair injury that shuts him down for any significant period of time. And again, we're not saying that's the case. That's not what it seems to be just added to the injury list with a limited participation, but same back injury, which you never love to see. And hopefully he's fine, ready to go. And we can kind of put this behind us sooner rather than later. All right, let's talk about the trade deadline and some potential trades that could take place. I think the first thing that's always worth talking about here is whether you should be a buyer at the trade deadline or whether you should be a seller at the trade deadline. Now it's very clear and obvious. You would rather be a buyer at the trade deadline because that means you are being competitive and that means you're going out and getting players in the hopes that you're going to make a push towards the playoffs or beyond. Probably you're a championship contender in some capacity. However, what I would argue is from a buyer's market slash seller's market, usually from a value standpoint, you're better to be on the seller side because this is the time of year where there's only so many players that are available. There's seven playoff spots now on each conference side, 14 total playoff teams, which means getting into the playoffs is easier than ever, which teams just... You know, a game or two below 500 can easily feel at this point of the year, like they're a win or two away from getting right back in the playoff conversation, which really potentially makes them not sellers at the deadline. So if you are a team that sells, you can have some significant advantages we don't need to look further than last year with the Pittsburgh Steelers selling Chase Claypool at the deadline. They get in a bidding war with Chicago and Green Bay of all teams, not teams that you would have expected to be buyers at last year's deadline, especially Chicago. But Chicago goes more aggressive. They offer their top second round pick, which ends up being 32 overall in this past year's draft. And the the Steelers get a great deal for Chase Claypool at the deadline. So if you are willing to go in that direction, if you are willing to sell selling is probably the better side to be on from a value standpoint. But like I said, you'd rather be on the other side because that means you're actually competing and maybe have a chance for something greater towards the end of this season. What I want to talk about here first, before we again get into the trades too, is that think back to these last few seasons when Green Bay, not maybe so much last year, but the years before that, probably the three years before that, when Green Bay really was going all in specifically in what, 2021 and 2020, and then they were still extremely successful in 2019. There were all of the rumors that maybe they're going to get an Emmanuel Sanders or a Will Fuller last year, even again with Chase Claypool. There've been a variety of times where they've been in these conversations, even when they were all in, even when they were like maybe and arguably one of the best teams in the NFL, specifically in 2020, we did not see Green Bay take that extra jump and put... Future draft picks in to go and acquire a player. Now, it does seem like they were very interested in getting Chase Claypool a season ago, but overall, Brian has not, you know, pulled, uh, pulled that final trigger and made that big trade to go out and get that big player, even in seasons where they were clear and obvious Super Bowl contenders. And because of that, it's really difficult to envision a scenario where Brian has that type of mentality with this team and this season on a season where you're clearly not a Super Bowl contender on a season where you're going to have to bite and claw and do everything you can just to sort of be in the playoff conversation towards the end of the year. And could a player help you with that and maybe get you in that playoff conversation? Yes. I don't think that that's what Green Bay should be doing right now. Green Bay should still probably be more in the acquiring assets and getting future value as much as possible because there is no Super Bowl window right now. They're still in the process of trying to open that in future seasons. And they have to look at their roster holistically and say, all right, if our next Super Bowl window is in 2025, are there any players that are on our roster right now that are not going to be part of that window, that we can get something back in return that would help open up that window in 2025? So that's probably the way that Brian and the staff should be looking at it. I know that that's hard, and I know that that's not the direction that Green Bay usually goes in. I would expect more of a status quo trade deadline from Green Bay. If anything, maybe more of a minor deal here or there. And if anything, those past few seasons should really learn uh, or at least teach us to be or have a buyer beware approach at the trade deadline. Will Fuller would have been an unmitigated disaster because they would have given up premium draft selections, probably a top 100 pick for Will Fuller, Fuller who got suspended that season and then basically never did anything again. Emmanuel Sanders would have helped had they made that initial trade, but they would have overpaid for him. And then he did fall off pretty steep from those, you know, from there on out for the remainder of his career. Yeah. He probably had what, maybe one good season left after that. So that probably would have been the one that maybe would have helped in the moment and still given them some opportunity down the road, but it didn't work out. And you know, the 49ers who traded for Emmanuel Sanders, it didn't necessarily work out for them in that season either. Chase Claypool was a huge nightmare for the bears and would have been a massive mistake for green bay. That is the, what eventually becomes the Jaden Reed pick, which also netted them Carl Brooks. And I think one other player too, when they ended up trading back, that's a big deal that if they don't have those players and have chase Claypool instead, who went for what, just like a sixth or seventh round pick more recently. So buyer beware in these situations. If you wanna be a buyer, that's okay, that's fine. You can do that. Just know that now is probably not the time that you're getting the best value for your dollar and you're probably overpaying at this point of the season, which again is, is why it's better to be, from a value standpoint, it's better to be a seller right now than it would be to be a buyer. But Green Bay would have to come to that conclusion when they're only a game under 500 as of right now. We'll see what happens against Denver, and to go in that direction could be a tough sell for the front office, for everyone involved, for the fans. If you let's let's just say they beat Denver this week and they're three and three, and maybe they even beat Minnesota. I think a lot of people would understand if Green Bay wasn't buying at the trade deadline, but I think it would be hard to imagine if they—it would be a, a tough sell for fans uh, and if they just started selling off players at that point. It might be the right thing to do, but optics are a part of this as well, especially when you're a GM and a head coach where the, the heat is picking up a little bit on uh, the seat of both Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur with some of the more recent uh, success or lack thereof. I'm not saying either should be on the hot seat at this point, but it it starts to warm up a little bit when you start not having as much success. And now the opposite side of this would be if they lose to Denver, now this becomes a very different conversation as to whether or not, all right, and if they lose to Denver and Minnesota, now you're in an entirely different spot where maybe you do need to look at selling off some players and trying to get some draft capital back in return. So better to probably sell than buy at this point. I don't see Green Bay going in any sort of all in approach and trying to you know, mortgage future assets for players that could help them win right now. In fact, I'd be fairly disappointed if that's the direction that they went in. If they wanted to take a swing at a smaller player that could maybe help on the margins and maybe is under contract for future seasons, by all means. I'm not saying they can't do anything. I just think they have to sort of tread lightly and carefully and just take a really smart approach with where this team is at currently. With all of that being said, and kind of looking at the landscape in Green Bay and around the league right now, I do think there are some interesting names, both for maybe Green Bay to trade away, as well as for Green Bay maybe to trade for. Some of these will be far more realistic than others. I will warn you on the one that is very unrealistic, but I think it's fun to talk about anyway. But let's start with maybe some more realistic ones and ones that could be out of Green Bay into other places with maybe something coming in return. Before I go with number one, let me just say really quick, my least favorite thing in the world when when anyone talks about trades is there will be like, Royce Newman will have a really bad game and he'll just look terrible. And the immediate gut reaction will be, they need to trade Royce Newman. And it's like, okay, Royce Newman does not have any trade value (laughs) And you do know that the people that are trading for said player watch the player before they trade for him. And they do understand his limitations too. So like, it always amazes me when like, they're always looking at the team and like all the players that they hate and be like, oh, they got to trade Royce Newman and they got to trade this player and that player. And it's all like the worst players that of course nobody would be interested in trading for. It's like, yeah, I'm sure Brian would love to trade Royce Newman for a third round pick right now or anything but that's not going to happen. Nobody's trading for Royce Newman. So the reason I wanted to say that is because in some way, I'm kind of going against my own little spiel there with number one on my list, and that's trading away A.J. Dillon. And I get it. The immediate reaction might be, Andy, have you seen A.J. Dillon play this year? He's on the last year of his contract. He does not exactly look spry this season. He is you know, like watch the tape, or is that somebody that another team might be really interested in trading for? And the answer is probably not. However, I'm not saying that Green Bay is gonna ask for anything significant in return. And if anything, this could be a, hey, you have a player that maybe has two years under their contract that is maybe not playing well, we'll take a shot on that guy. You're a more playoff contending team. This is a player that has some experience playing in those games, is good in pass protection, is better when the weather gets colder and as the year goes along. You take this guy, we'll take the longer guy. We'll just kind of swap some stuff and see if something fits in a different direction. And I like if they don't have any real feel like they're going to sign A.J. Dillon back in the offseason, then that's something that you can look at. And Dylan, even if he signs with some other team is probably not going to get an exorbitant contract because he's a running back, which means you're not going to get any crazy compensatory pick if he does sign with another team in the offseason. So if you can get something in return, that might be a value. I think you have to look at it. And maybe you just make like a running back for running back swap. Maybe you talk to Philly and, you know, maybe you, or maybe they're just looking and saying like, Hey, he would be a nice change of pace for, you know, Kenneth Gainwell and, and DeAndre Swift. We don't have really a AJ Dillon type running back. Maybe it was going to be Rashad Penny, but he can't get active. Maybe you just swap AJ Dillon and Rashad Penny for the rest of the year. Hey, if nothing else, maybe AJ Dillon is the absolute perfect back to run the tush push with Jalen Hurts and having a big 270 pound running back pushing Jalen Hurts into the pile of madness. Maybe that would work for them. Again, I'm not saying anything crazy in return here, but I'm just saying maybe you swap players and try to get something else and maybe something fits in Green Bay and maybe Dylan fits somewhere else. Maybe there's a running back injury that happens in the next couple weeks where you trade Dylan to that team and they hope that they can sort of get Dylan back to where he was over the past couple seasons rather than what they've seen so far this year. So that's one option. And again, the big one here is that Dylan's not under contract. Green Bay might get to the point where they know they're not going to resign him and they might take anything in return just. To, know, to, to try to get some ROI on an investment that they initially spent a second round pick and are you know perilously close to maybe getting nothing in return if he just walks in free agency next year. So getting something right now might be a value over nothing. And that's why he is ultimately on this list. Number two is Yash Niman. And I've sort of been the leader for a while now of like, I think Green Bay and the fans are far, or the, the Green Bay's fans, I should say, are overvaluing Yash Nyman. There were people that were adamant that they thought they that Yash was going to get a restricted free agent tender, or like when he got the second round restricted free agent tender, that some team was going to give him a huge contract. And... That like they were going to give Green Bay a second round pick, and I, I'm like, I will literally do the the taki spicy chip challenge, and I think I said like maybe even eat a bowl of mayo or something, which is the grossest thing in the world. Uh, if if he did that, because there was just no team that was going to go out and give Yash a huge deal and give Green Bay a second round pick in return. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I didn't think he was going to completely fall out of favor in Green Bay either, but he's completely fallen out of favor in Green Bay. In you know, Rashid Walker's been in there. Royce Newman's been in there. There've been a variety of different players who have already played this season before Yash has gotten back. And it was clear he was offensive tackle number four going into the year. That being said, teams are desperate. Look at the freaking New York Jets right now. They have, and the Giants are running out of offensive linemen. There are teams all over the league that are desperate for to to try really anything on the offensive line. And Yash is a player who has legitimate starting experience in this league and has held his own in some pretty big matchups. I, I can understand why Green Bay has decided to go in a different direction. They probably should have known that before giving them the four million one one-year deal on the second round tender, but I digress, but it is where it is now. Teams are desperate for offensive line depth, and I'm not totally sold that Green Bay doesn't feel like Caleb Jones or Luke Tenuta if he gets back are in the same vicinity from a playing style and standpoint that Yash Nyman is right now. And they do have some players at tackle that they can go with if that, if they do want to ultimately trade him away. Is it likely with Bakhtiari being out? Probably not. They probably want to have a little bit more depth there just in case something does happen. Cause you don't want Jordan to get to the point where he just doesn't have the, you know, any, you know, pass protection on the outsides. So I think it's more likely that he sticks around, but if some team comes calling and is like, Hey, we're going to legitimately give you like a six round pick for Yash. I think you would ultimately have to listen to that and at least have the conversation. And again, he's a free agent in the off season. If you're to the point where you don't think you're going to sign him back, that has to be another one that you at least consider. So many of you probably know that Damian Lillard was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. And as soon as I found out, I had to get opening day tickets immediately. And I will be there at that game because I use game time and even got to use code Packaday for $20 off, which made it even more sweet. The process was so insanely simple. They have these flash deals and you can click on the different areas of the stadium to see which prices are available. You can see the actual view of the seats. It was hassle free and just super, super simple. Game time is the place for Last minute ticket deals as well. You can forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without all the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code pack a day for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed it's finally football season which means it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on PrizePix by going to prizepix.com packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, number three is a tough one because he's arguably been a top three player for Green Bay this year. And we could argue maybe a little better. Maybe at least we could argue top five, but he's in that conversation and he's like the one player who's holding people accountable, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And that's Razul Douglas, who has been fantastic this season. He has found his niche as an outside corner in Green Bay. He is a leader on the team like I said, he holds players accountable. He's playing great. And he's like one of the last players that you would want to get rid of off of this team right now. Let's just start by saying that he has been so freaking good. However, however, Razul will be 30 next year. He is not exactly on the same timeline as the rest of this team. Meanwhile, He is one of the few players that if Green Bay were to release next year or trade away, whatever the case may be, release is probably not the case. That would be a trade because he's playing so well. But if they were to trade away, where you actually get some pretty significant cap savings off of his deal next year, if they were to release or trade him, there's not many of those. A lot of the veterans that they probably would like to get off of, their contract is to the point next year where you don't actually save that much money. You'd have to almost take your medicine and eat a lot of the salary cap Uh, hit and get nothing in return. Razul is one that you actually save some money on. Meanwhile, his contract is great. And I mean, phenomenal for a team that's trading for him right now. And Green Bay takes half of that cap hit next year. So you get a great, great deal for Razul Douglas. If you are a team that's going out and acquiring him while he's playing his best football that he has ever played. In my opinion, he's a leader on defense. We know how many teams could use corners right now. And there's two things to add on top of this. The first is Eric Stokes is coming back and you have Carrington Valentine. So you have Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes on the outside, Keyshawn on the inside, and you still have Carrington Valentine as a depth piece. So you can go in that direction, play your youth. You still have a ton of talent at that position and potentially get something significant in return. And that's number two on this list is there will probably never be a time to sell higher on Razul Douglas than right now. He's playing fantastic football. Teams are desperately in need of corners, and you can probably get something. And he's on a great contract for the team that's acquiring him. You could probably get something pretty significant in return for Razul and might never, ever have that opportunity ever again. So it's one of those really difficult conversations because you don't want to lose that guy off of your team. But a loss to Denver and Minnesota might have to change that conversation a little bit if that were to happen, where you might just have to start recouping as many assets. And like I said, 2025, 2026, those should be the target years where you're opening a window. And there's no guarantee that Razul is part of this team or at least playing at that high level when you open up that next window. So, getting something, if you could get something significant in return right now, would have to be at least in the conversation with him turning 30 next year. He's not a 25 year old player, he is much older than that. And he's sort of reaching that point where if your window's not opening very soon, You might want to ship him to a team that their window is open and you'll take the draft equity in return for developing Douglas over the past few seasons and really turning his career around in a pretty significant way. Tip of the cap to Razul for doing that as well. But like I said, a very tough conversation on Razul, but one with Eric Stokes coming back and his age at 30 and all the stuff we just talked about that I think you at least have to have the conversation. Number four is Rudy Ford. And we can have a similar conversation, but to a different extent about how Ford is playing really good football right now and is probably just based on the way he's playing, not a guy that you're super exciting uh, excited about jettisoning off to another team, but he is on a one-year deal. He is a free agent in the offseason. He also is not a spring chicken at this point. He is not one of the younger players on the team. And he could be a player that is never, uh, you know, at valued higher. And I'm not saying you're going to get anything of significant value in return. And because of that, you probably just hold on to him and then make a, a decision in the off season if you want to bring him back for another year or two. But right now you could probably get something, I would think, for Rudy Ford. That wasn't always the case. We didn't even know if he was going to make the team out of training camp, much less become a starter, much less become a pretty solid starter. Some other team comes calling and offering, I don't know, if they were offer like a fifth round pick, I think Green Bay would have to listen to that, um, you know, to, to some extent. Now, I, I would think it's probably more of like a sixth round pick, maybe even a seventh that some team would call with. And maybe Green Bay just says, "Now, nah, no, thank you. We'll, we'll stick with what we got. But again, un- unrestricted free agent next year, no guarantee that he's back. He could get an okay contract in free agency. It's a, It's not a premium position that teams usually pay, you know, pay. I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult conversation there, but again, with him being an unrestricted free agent and not one of the younger players on the team, not somebody they have invested draft capital into, I could see if some team came calling that maybe they would go in that direction, or at least maybe shop him across the league. And same thing with Razul Douglas, probably not a better time to do that than right now. And really selling high in a player who's playing probably the best football of his career right now. Number five is Keyshawn Nixon. Nixon's one of the interesting ones on this team that has the $5 million deal, and you can actually save some money by trading him away. There are very few ways for this team to actually gain salary cap space in 2023. Trading Nixon would be one of those ways. He is also on a one-year deal, unrestricted free agent in the offseason. And you have to make a a pretty big decision if you want to kind of keep him part of your team moving forward for some team that is a playoff contender, getting one of the best return specialists in football and a player who can play corner in a pinch for you, not to mention be a core special teams guy on a fairly cheap contract and probably not have to give a ton in return. That would have to be something that you would at least consider to have that conversation for. For Green Bay, it's a little bit of a tougher conversation because who's going to be your starting nickel? We've talked about Jair in the past. You probably don't want to put him in that spot and at least as a full-time player. Maybe an obvious passing down, sure. But Razul, we just talked about how great he is and how he's really found his niche as an outside corner. I think the answer is probably you give Carrington Valentine that chance and you go with you know Razul and Jair on the outside. Stokes stays as your dime corner and you give Valentine the opportunity in the slot. Maybe you give Stokes an opportunity in the slot. But that could just be a situation where it's a one-year deal. You're ready to go in a different direction. You think you're maybe not going to be able to afford him in the offseason, or at least not to the price that he wants. And maybe you get something in return now. Again, a tough discussion to have because Nixon's a really fun player and a dynamic returner, but he hasn't had great success returning this year. And he hasn't been that great as a cover corner. And if some team's willing to come calling and say, hey, he's a versatile piece that would be helpful for us on a playoff run, maybe you at least have the conversation about it. Number six on my list is Darnell Savage. This is another tough one because of his crazy contract. However, uh, Green Bay can you know, do some stuff to maybe take on a little bit more of that salary cap hit on their end. They'd have to be a little bit cautious with where they're at from a salary cap standpoint, but I think they could probably work something out. The issue is you're just not getting really anything in return. It would be probably a conditional seventh at best based on the contract and based on where he is as a player. He He's had a couple injuries already this year. It's probably unlikely, but if some team did come calling, the the big thing to remember here, some teams will hold to their draft priors, and if they had a really high grade on him in his specific draft— They might say like, hey, we don't think he really fits well in Joe Barry's defense. We saw actually some good things out of him in Mike Pettin's defense, and we play a similar defense. Had a really high grade on him coming out of the draft. Maybe our safeties are banged up. Let's give Darnell Savage a shot for the remainder of this year. It's a one-year deal. It's not that big of an issue if it doesn't work out. Can probably pick him up for a seventh-round pick. Let's try it out and see if it works. It might not. It might, but if Green Bay gets that call and that opportunity... Might have to take it and you might be to the point, especially again, if they have a couple of hiccups here in their next couple games where you might just say, hey, let's see what Anthony Johnson Jr. has got or We're fine with Jonathan Owens. Could Either of those situations could come true. And if they did get a call for Darnell Savage, once again, I think they'd have to listen. Right, let's talk about some players that they could actually go out and acquire. And I mentioned that I was going to go over one super unrealistic one. This is the one unrealistic one. It's also fun to talk about. Number seven on my list is Chase Young, the edge rusher for the Washington Commanders. Chase Young is a player that there's been a lot of buzz about that he could be traded from Washington before the deadline. And it might sound crazy. Chase, Chase Young, they're going to give up a bunch of draft capital for Chase Young with the team that they're at right now. They're not a Super Bowl contender. Like what, what are they going to do? The other thing you might say is like, they've already got Rashawn Gary that they need to sign a big contract to. They've got Preston Smith under contract. They've they just spent a first round pick on Lucas Van Ness. They've got Kingsley and Igbari. Like, do you need another edge rusher? You probably don't. And you're probably right. They probably don't. The reason why if they're going to go out and acquire something crazy, Chase Young is the one that makes sense to me because he will not turn 25 until April. He's had some injury issues earlier in his career it feels like those might be behind him. And it does feel like from a pass rush standpoint, he's playing a really good brand of football. And the reason that I would at least pick up the phone if I were Brian Gutekunst is because I think as a team that's young and growing, the first thing you want to do is build your team around something. There's got to be something that you're great at. Green Bay doesn't have anything that they're great at right now, but I can tell you wholeheartedly that if Chase Young and Rashawn Gary are your edge rushers of the future, they are now great at something. They now have one of the most dynamic edge rusher duos in all of football, plus some pretty solid depth in a Preston Smith and a Kingsley and a Eric, sorry, and a uh, Lucas Van Ness behind them. We also know that long-term Preston Smith, probably not going to be here much longer. Van Ness is going to take a little bit of time to develop and is a great rotational player for to sub in for both of those guys. And really the platoon of Van Ness on early downs with Young on more passing downs could work in a beautiful, beautiful way while you have, you know, maybe Rashawn Gary and Enigbare on the other side. Meanwhile, you could just throw in Enigbare in the trade and throw in some draft capital as well. They've got some draft capital coming back from the Jets that they could help to maybe make that deal. And the big thing is he's still young. The issue of course, is that you're going to pay a massive contract to Rashawn Gary. And now you're going to have to spend a massive contract to Chase Young. And that is a really, really tough thing to do. The other thing I will say is these are brutal deals to make for the Russ Ball side of things. If you trade for Chase Young right now, let's just say they give uh, on the easy side, like a couple second round picks and Kingsley and Igbari. Let's say that's the deal. He's a free agent in the off season and you're going to have to be the one that pays him his huge contract. If you do that, what ha- if you make that trade i should say what you do is you give the agent for chase young all of we hate the l word here from this past off season but you give their agent all the leverage in the world all the leverage in the world because what are you going to do they can't they, they where they're going to be at from a salary cap standpoint it's going to be extremely difficult to franchise tag him and what are you going to do let him walk because you just gave up two second round picks in Kingsley and Igbari for a half a season of Chase Young. No, you're not going to let him walk. You have to bring that guy back. So the agents and Chase Young have Green Bay by the you know what, and they can almost get the top of the top deal because you just gave up a bunch of draft capital for a half season rental of Chase Young otherwise. And yeah, you'd get a third round draft pick as a comp pick. You still can't do that. So they it would be a ton of egg on the face if he ended up being a free agent and you let him walk. So again, now all the leverage goes to him and his agent. You'd almost have to have a deal done before the trade to make it work. And I'm not gonna spend too much more time on this because we know there's a 0.0% chance of it happening. But if it does end up being the case where Chase ends up going for maybe pennies on the dollar for what he should go for, and you can combine two superpowers in Rashawn Gary and Chase Young, and you can figure out a way to finagle the money, it's a lot of ifs that are all not gonna come to fruition. Like I said, 0.00% chance. But it's a fun one at least to discuss because I do think if you were going to go make a splash, if you're going to do something, at least get the 24-year-old that doesn't turn 25 till April, that is a legitimate speed demon off the edge and would pair extremely well with Rashawn Gary and finally give you something that you are great, great, great at, and that is getting after the passer. All right, number eight on my list, a more realistic option, is Michael Carter, the running back for the Jets. Not having a great season, but the Jets have Delvin Cook, who's not also having a great season, but they've got Brice Hall, who's going to be the guy moving forward. And they also drafted Israel Abanaconda. And I want to say it was the fourth round, maybe the fifth, one of the two that I'm sure they'd like to be, you know, get active a little bit more on game days where he hasn't even been able to be active because they've got four running backs and the other three guys are clear guys that they're going to activate every week. Michael Carter was a guy I really liked coming out of the draft, had some injury issues, didn't ever really get to be the guy. And you'd probably be taking a little bit of a flyer on him. He's not, like I said, he's not having a great year so far this year, but he's 24 years old. He's cheap. He's got another year of team control. We know Green Bay went at least looking at Jonathan Taylor. And I'm not saying Michael Carter is Jonathan Taylor, nothing like it. But I think we could also argue that they just picked up James Robinson for the practice squad. They'd probably like something different at that running back position. And maybe just taking a flyer on Michael Carter, probably again, buying for pennies on the dollar, under team control next year, super cheap. You're probably not going to have to give up much for him. Maybe that's another one where you could do a, a swap of, of players. Maybe A.J. Dillon goes to them in return. I, I doubt that's the case, but. You could throw at least a couple names out there, maybe see if something sticks and maybe try to get Michael Carter. And maybe he could be a better change of pace moving forward to Aaron Jones than what A.J. Dillon has been able to be. Number nine on my list is Xavier McKinney for the Giants, 25 years old. The issue here, again, is that he's a free agent in the offseason, so you're trading him to pay for him, but he would instantly be Green Bay's best safety. He's a really nice player. He would pair well for the remainder of the year with Rudy Ford, and Green Bay needs to find some players at that position. It's a a position where the, the cupboard is extremely bare. You've only got Zane Anderson and Anthony Johnson Jr. under contract next year. That doesn't help it entirely because Xavier McKinney is also not under contract next year, but you'd be trading for him with the idea that you'd be bringing him back. I think you could probably work out a deal that's not insanely crazy. You're probably not having to give a ton in return. The Giants are going to be sellers at the deadline in all likelihood, and, and he's probably a, a rental right now, but Green Bay could acquire him as a rental with the intention of signing him to a bigger deal in the offseason and finally finding someone at safety who can be a little bit more of a mainstay at that position. And last but not least... Number 10 on my list is another one that you at least have to have the conversation of about trading away. It's the person that we talked about at the beginning of this episode who's got a little bit of a back injury right now, and that's Jair Alexander. It's a very difficult conversation. I get it. Jair is a little bit of like the heartbeat of this defense at times. He also hasn't lived up to expectations since signing the big contract. He has been a little bit of allergic as a run defender ever since suffering the shoulder injury He's been good in coverage more often than not, but he hasn't been all pro in coverage. He hasn't been great in coverage. He's been good. Doesn't always get challenged a ton, which is obvious because he's Jire freaking Alexander. He's still a massively talented corner. But the, the big things I would say are, number one, you've got this a little bit of a back injury now. Maybe a, competitive, a a you know, competing team like the Bills who lost uh, Tavares White already, maybe they're willing to overlook that a little bit more to try to make their run right now. For Green Bay that has to give you a little bit of a, a you know cause for concern with any time that back injury pops up it, those are things that can linger but if he can get that cleared before the deadline maybe you, you maybe you do get you know to to put him on the block and see if you can get something significant in return the other thing is it's hard to say this because we don't know how long Joe Barry's going to be in Green Bay and they could have a totally different defense next year but even just in general the way defenses are playing right now it is a lot of zone defense it is a ton of zone defense and is a good zone cover corner. I'm not saying he's not, but he, he makes his money as a man cover corner and Green Bay doesn't run a ton of it. So if he's not a great run defender and you're not going to use him in man a ton and you're just going to use him as a cover four, cover two, cover three zone corner, you can get your value on that on a far lesser player because you, you don't need a, an insane man cover corner to do that sort of stuff. And again, I'm not saying he's not still valuable. I'm just saying these are conversations that you have to have and things that you have to talk about as a front office. If the Buffalo Bills were to call and say, give a first and a third for um, and maybe Kier Elam, who is a first round, I think a first round pick from a season ago, who's struggling in Buffalo, by the way, but Green Bay has a little bit more time to develop where Buffalo does not. You get a first round corner, a first round future first round pick and a third round pick, maybe for Jair and like a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick, something like that. That could be something that makes sense for both sides. Gives Buffalo more of a win-now window. And for Green Bay, you have you still have Eric Stokes, Rizul Douglas, Carrington Valentine, Kyer Elam. You still got a pretty, you know, Keyshawn Nixon in that scenario. You still have a pretty stacked corner room. I don't know that your corner, like it, it clearly gets worse, but you now add Stokes back into the mix. You have a lot of developmental players in Elam and um, Stokes, Valentine, etc. So like I'm not saying I'm for it, but I'm not saying I'm against it either, and it's one more of just like you at least have to have the conversation more than anything. Whether you do it or not is a totally different story, but if, if some team comes calling with a ridiculous offer, and you're not sold on his run defense, and you're not sold that you're going to use him to the best of his powers as a pure man corner, then maybe you do have to take that phone call at least and have that conversation and see what you can get in return, and if it's something really crazy where you can't turn it down, I get it. And I know a lot of you are going to hate that, and I get it. You you know, moving on from Devontae, Aaron Rodgers, Jair Alexander in a short period of time, knowing what David Bakhtiari is going through, that's a lot of star power that's gone in a short period. So I understand not trading them, but I think the I think it's an interesting conversation, if nothing else, which is really what today is all about: is more of an interesting conversation. The odds that these trades go through, probably not great. But like I said, from the onset, trades, fantasy, all of the the fan fiction that we go through as part of cheering on our teams, it's all fun part of the process. And with the trade deadline coming up, got to do it. It's always fun. That's going to do it for me today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Always a shout out to Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wilde, Shea Bradad, Arnaldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Lori Lord, and Donald Lee for all of their support. I will see you guys right back here tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Paco.